This is a Federal News Network podcast. Just a year into its e-commerce portal initiative, the General Services Administration is making some course corrections. GSA's initial thinking about the program aimed at making it easier for agencies to buy commercial products and services below the micro-purchase threshold of $10,000 online. Turns out that was a bit off the mark. Laura Stanton is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Information Technology category in GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. Kyle Todd is Program Manager for the Commercial Platforms Initiative at GSA. They tell executive editor Jason Miller about why GSA decided not to test the other two platform options and why the overall market for online buying is a lot smaller than they first estimated. We have 13 agencies to date, and we are adding new agencies to the program with approximately five more in the September-October timeframe. So really excited to see the new entrants. We've been seeing an increase in the number of purchase card holders who have been getting registered on these platforms. And as of July of 2021, we had $6 million in sales across the three platforms. The 13 agencies are already using it in the five that are being added. Can you just give me a sense, large, small, medium, or do they cross the gamut? Across the gamut, we are currently onboarding DHS, USDA, as well as some smaller agencies like Farm Service Credit Insurance, GAO, Office of Government-Wide Ethics, Small Business Administration. So really... One of the things we're excited to see is the agencies raising their hand and saying, we want to participate. And that has been, as I said, across the board from the large agencies. We have VA on board as well to some of the smaller agencies. So the agencies are seeing benefits at all levels. You mentioned $6 million in sales so far. It seems like not a whole lot. I mean, given that GSA estimated this being a $6 billion market, but I imagine that there's some ramp up time, as you said, getting the platforms going. When really did agencies really start to, to understand and take advantage of the platforms? One of the reasons I am excited about this is because we're seeing agencies raise their hand to participate. So as we're getting those agencies up and running, the last couple of months, we've seen about 75% of that growth. And so we anticipate that that's going to continue. I did want to touch on sort of your point about the $6 billion market. I think that when we started this, there were, you know, almost four years ago now, there was even talk about a $50 billion market. And what we've realized as we've gone deeper and deeper and learned over the last several years is that potential $6 billion market is all of the addressable product market under the micro-purchase threshold. And what we've also seen, though, is the online channels that are only online um, is about 500 million. And that's been a great increase from even what we saw in FY14 from 135 million. So just to put it in context, we're really looking at about a $500 million market for the online only channels. I would also add that I think one of the exciting things since launch is that we, we have implemented a pretty robust customer experience framework. And so we've been getting quite a bit of feedback just over the last year since implementation. And so just some, just some like top levels, you know, lessons learned over, over the last year. Certainly from a buyer standpoint, we've learned that cardholders want to buy through this channel. They certainly see it as a managed online channel. Uh, they like that it's you know a modern user interface. They like the competitive prices, the quick delivery times. They also know when they're going to get get their stuff. So I think you know from a buyer standpoint, we're we're certainly hearing that feedback. So I think 
this customer experience framework, we've, we've learned quite a bit from it. And I think it's starting to identify some really important agency buying trends and sort of features and benefits that they need when they're buying in this space. And I think one of the lessons learned over the last year is that we really need to use that CX feedback to, to inform where the program goes next. Just to clarify a little bit. So from online only channels, meaning uh, agency X purchase holder, John, Mary, Bill, whoever goes to platform Y and buys it. That's what you're talking about. What's the difference between the online only and the, this, this other, the bigger micro-purchase threshold market? The bigger micro-purchase threshold could be somebody walking into a brick and mortar store and placing the orders there versus just buying online. And so that's the differentiator that, we, that I'm getting into when I say that when we're looking for, when we're going through the data, we're looking really to see how much is being purchased online. And so it's possible to segregate out what's being bought from a .com. And we're looking at something that's an online channel is really about 500 million. There could be other spend in that 6 billion market that's being purchased online from a supplier that has both bricks and mortar and online channels. And it would be, we just wouldn't be able to differentiate that. I want to shift over to the report to Congress. One of the things that GSA highlighted in that report is that there was a decision not to test the other two options under the e-commerce portal effort. There's a perception that maybe that was a predetermined decision to do that. Walk me through a little bit about that decision process, how you went about looking into the costs, the estimates, the data. How did you end up in that decision that this current approach is the only approach you plan to test? We started with what are the agencies already doing and what's going to be the most valuable to them. We know that in order for a program to be effective, the agencies need to want to use it. And the best thing was to really look at what they're doing. And we had already seen that increased use of the e-marketplace platforms that we, and we had been tracking the business growth in that, the agency requirements. We spent a lot of time also talking to the agencies about their pain points and really determined that the e-marketplace would be the fastest and the most impactful approach for the proof of concept. As we talk about going forward, I would say that we're looking, you're hearing that we're already scaling the program and we're now being driven by the customer feedback as we look at what comes next. Kyle's talked about the customer framework um, and the customer experience and that customer experience really needs to be the driver of what we design. The last thing that we want to do is to build a program and take the build it and they will come approach. And so what we're doing is we're understanding through the data that we're gathering, through the customer surveys, through the buying data, we're understanding what's the drivers for the agencies. And that's going to enable us to really look at how do we go forward regardless of what the actual model is versus testing models that might not have a lot of value to the customer agencies that are using this program. The feedback that we're getting is not specific to any specific business model that we identified. And and it's probably worth noting that that those business models were something that we had put together just as part of our market research to sort of organize our thinking around the market. They were never really intended to be the way that we we manage this um, sort of in an operational state. Um, but it was a quick and easy way at least to get something out there at the request of agencies. But you know, the, the feedback that we are getting um, has been very positive. And I think the net of all of that is that we're hearing from buyers like, hey, when I'm buying in this space, 
I'm looking for, hey, how can I easily get my users onboarded? How can I get access to broad catalogs? How can I get competitive pricing, you know, quick delivery times? They're highlighting features that are applicable to the entire buying environment and not just a specific model. And I think at the end of the day, we've, we've seen just in the last year, just satisfaction of, of 9.2 out of 10, for instance, from a customer satisfaction standpoint. So it's resonating with buyers and with agencies. And I think they're, they're really starting to see the value of this. And I would just add, as we're going forward, we're really working closely with those customer agencies to discuss what the future acquisitions for a managed channel look like. And to Kyle's point, that is regardless of the models that we use to understand the original marketplace, because we had to start somewhere. This is really looking at all attributes regardless of what model they might have fallen into. Laura Stanton is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Information Technology category in GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. Kyle Todd is the Program Manager for Commercial Platforms Initiative at GSA. They were both speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about, but that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them 
and find out what they're doing and where what you can do to help them. Uh, I we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life, and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but. Uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, And I I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you use to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention and it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions. Uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I, I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I, I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. 
and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.